Ajuma. Artist Proof with Adrian Johnson. Episode 10, Mark Deering. Welcome back to Artist Proof with Adrian Johnson. I'm your host, of course, Adrian Johnson. Um, thank you so much for checking back in with me. Um, I know it's been a long hiatus um, in terms of the uh, last episode that I had with my one of my favorite artists, um, John Bogdanov, uh, to the present one. Um, I definitely had some um, health excuse me some uh, health issues that I needed to rectify, and um, thankfully I'm on the recovery. And um, just chomping at the bit uh, to get back to this. So thanks so much for checking back in uh, with Artist Proof. Um, just wanted to also let you guys know that this episode and every episode of Artist Proof is produced by Inazma Studios, LLC. Uh, Inazma Studios is my personal brand. Um, it's my uh, outlet for all things creative. Um, definitely check out the uh, portfolio that I have on there. Um, I've been threatening for months uh, to get um, some new material in there, and I'm finally making it happen. Um, so there will be some new stuff in there um, in the coming week or so. And then also, you can find this episode as well as past episodes of Artist Proof also on inazimstudios.com. And another addition that I'm doing uh, starting with this particular episode is the inclusion of show notes. Um, after I spoke with... Uh, our guest today, um, Mr. Deering, um, I thought about some of the terminology that we used and some of the references that we made um, might not be readily at hand uh, for many of the listeners. So, you know, I kind of took a cue from a couple of other uh, podcasts that I listened to, and I thought that uh, providing show notes uh, would be a great idea. Um, now, those show notes would probably be mostly available either on the uh, social media posts, um, such as uh, my outlets on Facebook and or Instagram. Uh, but primarily, you can also find those show notes here on anismstudios.com. Uh, so definitely check out the main site. And then also, if you're getting your episodes from iTunes, um, definitely consider subscribing to the show. Um, you'll get the episodes, obviously, uh, fresh delivered right to your iPod or listening device. And then also, uh, if you're so inclined, um, take the opportunity to leave a review. You know, um, doesn't matter if it's five stars, one star, no stars. <laughs> it is all good. Um, I think just having the feedback from you guys and gals would just be enough for me just to, you know, hear back and see what you guys think of the show. So again, uh, definitely check out my main site at inazimastudios.com and feel free to subscribe to the show via iTunes. Now, getting back to Mr. Deering, Mr. Mark Deering, anchor extraordinaire. Um, he's someone that I've wanted to have on the mics um, for a long time. Um, 
he's been a buddy of mine, but I wanted to have him officially, you know, um, speaking about his craft. And I know he's probably done, you know, several podcasts, you know, in the interim, of course. Um, but, you know, I had some questions of my own that I wanted to ask and, you know, really just to speak with a friend and um, a, a, a peer that I truly admire in terms of his um, line work, which is uh, spectacular, spectacular. Uh, Mark has worked on a number of titles. Um, he's been in the industry for well over a decade. And uh, some of the titles that he's worked on um, have been Supergirl, uh, G.I. Joe, uh, Shadowhawk, uh, Resident Evil, Green Lantern, X-Men, Superman, Justice League, Adventure Comics. You know, he, he's been around. He's been around. Uh, he's made the rounds at uh, companies such as Image, DC Comics, Marvel, IDW, Avatar Press, and Arkea, just to name a few. Uh, so he's definitely a journeyman, uh, but he has just this line work that's that's so crisp. I, I, I love it. I love it. And um, we'll, I'll include some samples of his line work in the show notes uh, for this episode. And um, definitely take a look at that stuff once you get a chance. And um, basically what we discussed on the show is uh, initially we started out talking about you know, how he broke into actually inking comics, you know, because breaking into comics in general, you know, quote unquote, breaking into comics, it can be very difficult, especially when you're trying to go for some of the um, uh, mainstream work, you know, it's a very small funnel <laughs> with a lot of people trying to get cram in there, you know what I'm saying? Um, but somehow he's found a way to do so in his own particular fashion. And we just talk about, you know, kind of like how he broke in, in those bad old days of inking samples on vellum, <laughs> you know, um, because some of you may, may or not know that, you know, when I started out, you know, drawing comics myself, um, I was determined to be an inker. You know, I fell in love with the craft of it and I've been, you know, kind of what I, you know, term just a, 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 an inking junkie, you know, ever since, you know, and so um, just when I see quality line art, you know, I just I'm just attracted to it. You know, I, I got to know more. I got to have it. And um, Mark's definitely fits the bill. Uh, we also talk about tools of the trade, uh, such as what type of axe he uses uh, when he's making his work. You know, nibs, pens, brushes, the whole nine. Um, we also discuss kind of like the mental aspect of inking, because a lot of people may have a discrepancy that inking is simply, oh, well, you're just tracing over the pencils that are already done. Yes and no. There's still a craft to inking that, you know, must be taken into account, you know, such as line weight, um, the quality of the line, um, the storytelling, you know, inking can actually enhance the storytelling, you know, when done right, you know. So we discussed that and just the mental aspect of being present, being present when you're inking, you know, to make sure you get the best quality product possible. And then lastly, uh, we do discuss also um, kind of a uh, uh, traditional versus digital, although Mark says that there's no such thing as traditional uh, versus digital. Everything is all a tool in the toolbox to be used at different times or when it is applicable. And, you know, he's absolutely correct. And uh, the way he discusses it, you know, it really encouraged me to, 
give that a try because uh, I've done some stuff digitally, but not enough to the point where, you know, the results would look <laughs> professional, you know, so I kind of stick with my uh, quill, my nib and you know, go go to town that way. But, you know, it's definitely something that I want to explore, you know, after speaking with Mark and um, seeing the examples that he cited, uh, such as him mentioning that he inked a, um, a few pages recently on his iPad, of all things. You know, you, you got to hear him describe it. But when he told me and I saw the work, I was like, wow, I was, I was thrown back. You know what I'm saying? So the future is definitely now on that degree. Uh, you can find Mark online at inkingissexy.com. That is his official website. That's inkingissexy.com. And that might be a good place for us to pick up the conversation of him describing exactly what is going on, you know, with that particular name and why not markdeering.com. So let's pick it up there. Uh, this is Artist Proof with Adrian Johnson, episode 10, my conversation with Mark Deering. Excellent. All right, for, for those that don't know, uh, the name of your website is inkingissexy.com. And again, for those that don't know, that's actually a quote from, of all people, Will Eisner. Uh, now, now, where did you come? Now, now, where did you come? Off, where did you come across that quote from? Uh, God, it's going way back because I hated and still hate the idea of markdeering.com. Really? Um, so I was looking for something. Yeah. And I'm a huge Eisner fan, huge Frank Miller fan. And they did a book years ago called, was it, what was it, Eisner Miller? Yes, Eisner Miller. Miller. Eisner. Uh, yeah. And it was just a, a conversation between the two of them that was, you know, transcribed into a book. Yeah. And um, in that book, in that conversation, they started talking about their process and how, you know, how they create comics. And they got to the inking part of it, mm-hmm. and Will Eisner said, "Inking is sexy." <laughs> kind of out of nowhere, and Frank was like, "Yeah, you're right. You're right." Yeah, that's true. That's true. And um, so, uh, was going through the book, and I was like, "Huh." And I asked a few friends first because I was like, "I don't want people to imply that I think of myself as sexy because that's <laughs> not it." Yeah, <laughs> it was just a cool quote from Will Eisner. So I was like, "Hmm, let me try that." Yeah, it's worked for the past well, over ten years now. Oh well, there you so. go, track record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's interesting because a lot of people may not know where that quote is from. So I remember actually getting the book myself, and you know, um, at the time, like really loving that book. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, it was a good book. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, and Frank repeated the same quote in in the was it the foreword for the uh, DC Comics Guide to Inking by Klaus Janson? Yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Frank repeated the quote. He said, "My mentor said, inking is sexy." <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and you know, it's there's there's definitely some truth to that. You know what I mean? Um, I, I I don't know what it is. I there there's something about because I'm. I'm I'm somewhat of a, I guess I would call myself kind of like an inking junkie, you know, just in terms of <laughs> yeah, just just in terms of being like um, enamored with the process of inking. Because when I started um, 
trying to do comics years ago, I was determined that I was just going to be an inker, you know, because my penciling skills weren't uh-huh. up to par. So I said, well, I'm kind of good at this inking thing. Let me do that. So, you know, just over the years, I've just, you know, um, um, took in, you know, just all these different types of techniques. And I, I just love looking at black and white line art. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, yeah. Your, and, and your, your stuff is like, you know, it, it definitely lives up to the title of the um, website, man. It's sexy. <laughs> I mean, the way you throw lines down and the, the final product is it, crisp, man. I, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, so let, let, let me start here. Let me start here. Um, sure. I guess, where did you, uh, where did you kind of start with, did, did you always kind of have the, um, forgive the pun, inkling that you would be an anchor <laughs> or did you kind of start out wanting to try another facet of comic art before you decided on inking? Um, yeah. The second part, it, it took a little bit to get there. I drew all the time all, uh, since, since I was a kid up and through high school. Yeah. I kind of stopped my senior year of high school, but I had been drawn all the time. I, I was that I was that stereotypical kid in class, drawing, teachers talking, not paying attention. <laughs> and I'm just I'm fiddling away with something, and they're like, Mark, what? What? I don't know. What? <laughs> you know, didn't didn't care. I was always drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, inking came later. I was uh, got out of high school, tried college for a little bit, hated it. Mm-hmm. Got married, joined the army, and I was in the army when I. Of all places, it was a wizard magazine. Ah, uh, yes, the Bible. <laughs> it was a wizard mag. Now I had I had always paid attention to who was doing what. Yeah. I've I've done nothing but follow creators since I was like 12. Mm-hmm. Never really followed characters. I followed the creators. So I knew when John Byrne was drawing something and George Perez was thinking it, it was going to be really pretty. Yeah. Really pretty. You know, or George Perez was drawing something and Jerry Ordway was thinking it, it was going to be really nice looking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so on and so forth. I knew who did what and who brought what to each thing that I read. Yeah. But it just never clicked for me like that. You know what I mean? Hmm. And of all places, it was a wizard magazine and they broke it down. God, I want to say it was issue 56. Uh-huh. And they really broke down who did what and how to get into it. Huh. And from there, because... I was living in Panama at the time. Um, they were like, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to certain companies, and they will send you pencils for you to practice over. Oh, wow. Now, this is 94, 95? Probably 95, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere around then. And lo and behold, I sent some to Dark Horse, and I got pencils in the mail. Wow. So I was like, ooh, okay. All right, <laughs> let me see what I can do here. And it was just an uphill battle from there. <laughs> <laughs> this is long before the, the internet really took over. This is way, way before, you know, blue line printing could, was possible. It was vellums and tracing paper. Oh, and, man. Yeah, it was 
it wasn't pretty. <laughs> it no. It wasn't pretty at all. It was like, how do they do this? This is ridiculous. Is oh, well, they do it over original pencils. Well, how in the world do you get a hold of those? Yeah. And so forth and so on. But, yeah. Yeah, you know. Long road. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I remember those days myself. Because uh, I, when I started art school in, like, 99, you know, it was the same thing. Right. Just get, like, you know, a pad of vellum. Put it over a yep. Xerox copy and just try it. And I hated that because the ink oh, would, it was awful. Yeah, the ink would never sit right on the surface. It was like, how do people get like actual samples done on this? This makes no sense. Yeah, not not to mention what you lost between the the pencils, the pencils that you had, and then the vellum over top of it. It was like you you missed things. Yep. Massive things. <laughs> it was like you, you look at the pencils, you put the vellum down, you're inking it. Wait, wait, the two different, how did, uh, missed it. You know, it just, yeah, you missed stuff because it, the vellums were never perfectly clear. Right. And so you would miss little nuances in the pencils because it's just the way it worked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, I don't miss those days at all, trust me. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a, for me, it was a huge leap when I was able to start doing blue line printing. Yeah. I, I, I was able to make a, a big, huge jump in, in how good I was doing. So, yeah, helped a great deal. Definitely, definitely, man. And, and, and let me back you up a second while, while you're talking about sure. kind of like that, that 90s period. You know, one of mm. the things that I get out of your work, Mark, is definitely, um, and you tell me if I'm wrong, um, you definitely okay. have a love for that that kind of 90s period of inking. I I don't mean like, oh, well, you're stuck in the image mode, but a lot of it is reminiscent of that period of inking because I, I love the same thing. That's like in my inking sure. DNA. So like kind of who were like your influences, both not, not just in the 90s, but even, even past to the present, who were kind of like your influences once you started getting into the craft of inking and started studying different styles and the tools and everything? Uh, uh, the first and foremost guy has, has been Tim Townsend, mm, mm. who is, you know, a really good friend now, but even back then when he and Joe Mad started on, uh, Uncanny X-Men, because I kind of stopped reading comics for a few years when the image titles hit, I'm, I'm one of those very rare guys that I did not care for image when it started. Really? Oh man. No. Not not a huge fan. Oh man. <laughs> nope. Not not a big fan of that stuff whatsoever. But when Joe Mad and Tim Townsend started on Uncanny X Men, yeah, that stuff blew me away. Mm. Um, the anime style, you know, Joe Mad is Joe Mad, right? You know, we we all know who Joe Mad is. And uh, but Tim's crisp, I mean, perfect lines, you know. And every just complimented what Joe was already doing. It was just, it was beautiful. Yeah. And um, that's really where it started. Be and also because, again, I was in Panama when I started reading again, the only stuff I could get was Marvel and DC. Ah, okay. So um, those were all I had to go by at that time because I was finally out of my parents' house, so I was really absorbing stuff like crazy. Yeah. And... Yeah, those uncanny issue, uncanny X Men issues were just wow. They were, they were something else to look at, and um, 
but anybody else, you know, Scott Williams over oh, Jim Oh, of course, Lee, of course. You yes. know, perfection. Yes. <laughs> perfection, absolute perfection. I mean, those two are going to go down to history as probably one as probably the greatest comic art team ever. It's, it's, it's Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't get any. It's just like, you know, put everything down. That's it. That's the, that's as good as it gets. Um, God, that period. Mm. That's might, that might be about it. I, I'd like to say there's more, but nothing's... Uh, maybe Dale Keown. Ah, yeah. Okay. Dale Keown and... Um, God, was Dan Panosian inking him? Uh, he did on on some early issues of Pit. Yeah, Pit and Hulk. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I know. Okay. I know. Especially on on um, Hulk, it was on uh, Mark Farmer, man. Farmer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Farmer. Mark Farmer has always been synonymous with Alan Davis for me. Yeah. Again, another monster team right there. Yeah. Um. So yeah. But yeah. All right. Those are the ones that pop in my head. Oh no, so, no, yeah. those are those are definitely awesome teams, and you know it's it's interesting mm-hmm. that you mention um Townsend because you know throughout that whole Townsend Mad Run on Uncanny, it seemed like uh-huh. it got better and better, and I feel like the turning point was do you do you, do you recall there was like a two part story where um on the front they were doing like an homage to Ninja Scroll, like they had. The, uh, the 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 little old man with the staff and Wolverine yeah, was in his yeah. Japanese garb. Oh, that yep. issue right there yeah. was the turning point. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's the exact one I was thinking of as we were talking about it. Yes, those were those were uh, huge turning points. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and they did. It was every single issue just got better and better and better. Oh wait, Brett, Joe needs a break. Okay, wait. Okay. Okay. Next one, Joe. Better and better and better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of excitement around that period. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that you uh, retain a lot of that um, excitement just through you know your own inking. You know, because like I mentioned, oh, thank you. oh no, definitely, man, definitely. I've I've always been a fan of your stuff, and um, just here lately, it's just been like you know, um, just 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 awesome. It it's feel it's felt like you've kind of congealed like your 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 style and your confidence and it's all coming to like its own you know what i'm saying and then also too the variety of um penciling styles that you're able to you know go over and um that was going to be something else i wanted to ask you um sure when you first broke in or or even trying to break in now um kind of what would you advise, you know, um, aspiring anchors to either, you know, be flexible to handle different types of styles, you know, um, because it goes with the uh, traditional thinking that anchors should kind of be invisible, even though they, they pretty much aren't. You know people's styles over, you know, certain people's artwork. Or do you think that they should come in with, like, work on just that one set style and get that straight before they can veer off to handle other art styles it's more it's probably a combination of both okay um you know when you veer in to get that one style down down pat what you really want to do at least my goal is to find that one guy that one penciler 
that you and he just completely gel. Yeah. And it works great, you know, and you just keep working and it keeps just getting better and better and better. Like we were talking about with Joe and Tim. Yeah. Or even, you know, Jim and Scott mm-hmm. or uh, Chris, uh, Chris Pacello and Tim. Yeah. You know, it just mm-hmm. gets better and better and better as it goes. Um, at the same time, because things are so varied today, mm-hmm. I mean, we've got a huge array of styles throughout yeah. comics right now. Um, you do got to be able to jump. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to jump from one guy to the next. You got to be able to go from Brian Hitch to uh, Chris Bacello. Yeah. You know, those are two widely varied styles. Mm-hmm. But you need to be able to go back and forth because when you start working at the big companies, that's exactly what they expect. You mm-hmm. know, they need help here on this, they need help here on that. You're working on this, you're working on that, you have to be able to jump around. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a mixture of both because at the same time, you're trying to find that one guy yeah. that'll keep you working and keep you keep you going and keep it moving. And um, that's the hardest part. Yeah, and I think especially um, in today's um, industry, because you don't have um, pencilers that stay on um, books for a long run, you know, versus even um, a decade ago, where, you know, it it wasn't unusual for a penciler and inker team to stay on a book for 20 issues, you know. And, you know, it would give them time to kind of, get that you know um that synchronicity going to where ah okay yeah, they groove. yeah exactly like they have a recognizable yeah. style you know yeah. um definitely today it's more like you know um an issue here maybe a six issue mini there or so forth so it can be hard maybe, to find yeah you're you're lucky to get four issues out of them yeah exactly yeah it's hard yeah. to find it's... that quote-unquote guy you know what i'm saying yeah yeah it is yeah man it doesn't it just doesn't it's it's the way things been going lately that mm-hmm. you're just not getting that anymore and everybody recognizes it but nobody's doing anything about it yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. no, nothing's being done to uh go back to that i don't know if it's because i don't know if it's not because people don't want to go back or if it's because they're moving forward um, you know, the technology is always changing between, you know, digital stuff and just markers nowadays. You know, when I first started trying to break in, uh-huh. I remember being told adamantly to never use a marker. Hmm. Never use markers because they're awful. Yeah. Well, back then they were. Yes. <laughs> back then they were Sharpies and they were terrible and Sharpies are still terrible. <laughs> right. But the technology of markers, the technology of inks and pens and brushes and everything has move forward quite rapidly Mm -hmm. so it's more feasible or easier for pencilers to ink their own work yeah and you know that was going to be something else i was going to ask you too mark um just in terms of that being a trend in and of itself where yeah i'm starting to see like you know um more pencilers just listed as just pencilers like you don't see an anchor attached to it like when you're reading like the solicitations yeah. and so forth especially like some long-standing teams where it's like 
okay, if I see Ed McGinnis's name, I'm expecting Dexter Vines to be right beside it. You know, they're a team, but mm-hmm. I know um, McGinnis is starting to ink more of his stuff, uh, either with ink or they're going from his pencils. And I'm seeing that trend with a lot of other um, penciler inker teams where the pencil now is, you know, uh, looking to do more of that stuff themselves. And um, that, that's going to be something I wanted to ask you about because I also see that type of thing occurring somewhat with inkers. Like, um, I know Richard Friend um, was stating that he wanted to pursue penciling work himself um, just for those times when, you know, inking may get slow or, you know, things like that. Um, is, is that something that, that maybe you've considered or are you pretty much like just an anchor by trade or have you maybe given any thought to doing like penciling yourself to broaden your horizon a bit? Um, for myself, not really. Okay. Um, I'm not there yet. Uh, when it comes to my own stuff, I, I tend to think more story than I do actual penciling. So when I think of, um, drawing something, I'm going to do the whole thing. Hmm you know, write it, draw it, all that stuff. Right. But um, as far as other guys, uh, yeah, Richard said that a few times. Yeah. I've seen him say that. Uh, he's never really done it. Yeah. But I really love his stuff. But, um, you know, with him in specific, I don't, I have no idea. I mm. don't know Richard that well, spoken a little bit. But, you know, like Ed McGinnis, I think he has Mark Morales on him now. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Dexter is working on a Han Solo thing with Mark Brooks right now. Ah, okay. Um, but yeah, when it comes to some of the pencilers doing their own thing, it's... Uh, I'm not a fan favorite of that trend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, of to, course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, and everyone would assume it's because I'm biased. Yeah. I'll admit that I am biased, but at the same time, it just never lasts. Mm. Um, I don't know of one penciler that's inking themselves that can do over five issues in a row. Yeah. Because this is a very time-consuming craft. Mm -hmm. It's what a lot of people don't realize. I know you do because you know how to do this stuff. Yeah. And you've talked to enough people, you know. This takes a while to do, you know. Um, this is not something that gets done quickly, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but deeper than that, you know, the system that they made up back in the 30s and 40s of writer, penciler, inkler, colorist, letter was set up for a reason. Right. Because when you follow that and you have one person doing each job, you can crank monthly books out like left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, when one person takes on two jobs, it's going to go slower. It's just the way it is. You know, the system was set up because it worked, and it has worked for a very long time <laughs> really well. <laughs> right. But, you know, um, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't last. And so it goes back to what we were saying about um, – no one having lengthy runs on books anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because somebody's doing one too many jobs. 
Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, you know, you do have anomalies. And a lot of them are, like, older yeah. examples. Like, you have, like, John Byrne doing, like, two or three books a month. You know, both penciling. Yeah, but he and had Mickey. multiple anchors on those books. So, for some of them, yeah. Like, I'm thinking, like, early Fantastic Fours once he took those over. But uh-huh. even he would use shortcuts. Like, I'm thinking in particular, yeah. like, that Alpha Flight Snowblind issue. All white pages. Come on, man. Come on, John. <laughs> so he found a way to make it work. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, but yeah, but that's definitely, you know, something that was just an anomaly even then. But now with the um, change in styles and the variety of styles and the, the need for, well, I won't say the need, but the trend of more detail with the artwork as it stands today, you know, in today's market, you know, I would think that would be next to impossible you know, to both um, um, draw and ink, you know, a, a whole book on a monthly schedule, you know? It is. It's very hard. Um, you ask most of the guys that do it, and, man, they're tired. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ask some of them at the end of, of uh, two issues, they're like, oh, God. They're, they're whooped. Wow. They've just whooped themselves. You know? <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it takes, takes a while. This isn't, (laughs) yeah, this isn't easy. So, um, it gets to be, uh, time consuming and very, very tiring to the point when they say, I, I need to take an issue off, get a fill in, Mm. you know, and then that's how it goes. So, man, man. Yeah. Well, and it's just something that, that I've, you know, wondered about because I mean, you you've been working. You know, um, I I've seen your credits. You know, um, increase pretty regularly over the past decade. You know, what I'm saying, especially in recent times, and you know, I had wondered. You know, just like, well, there there seems to be a lot of um, inking work. You know, what I'm saying for great quality inkers like yourself, amongst others. You know, what I'm saying. So, you know, I hope that the trend of you know people wanting to just ink uh, pencil and and ink on like the monthly books, you know, it's just just like a trend, you know, that it wouldn't become the norm. You know what I mean? It, you know, it's dependent on so many factors. Yeah. Um, it's it's really hard to keep track of. It really is, because there's not one. There is no one simple reason as to why it happens. Um, you know, some for some people it's uh, financial. Mm. They make more money pencil and ink in themselves so that they dive into um it can be editorial hey we need to save money on this book let's have this guy pencil himself oh wow okay uh let's you know um what's another big and it usually comes from above kind of reason mm-hmm. uh this this one can't be quantified with any <laughs> statistics of any kind but hey you know people bought more of this book because this guy penciled and inked himself oh oh man don't know if that one's true could be yeah no idea but (laughs) it's out there you know it's like wow they really like it when so-and-so does it all himself well okay but (laughs) he can he can only do four issues and then we need two issues of fill-in and then he's back for two issues and then another fill-in and it just snowballs downhill from there. Right, right, exactly. So, 
<laughs> it's uh yeah. As far as me getting work, um, it ebbs and flows. It really does. Mm. And it's been ebbing much more in the past year and a half. I see. So it might look like I'm busy. I'm and, really not. Oh, I was just <laughs> well, well, you, you, you definitely um, um, keeping the illusion, man. Because, you know, like I've seen like a lot of your um, your recent pages because you post constantly you know, on Facebook and uh, social media, and all of it just mm-hmm. looks, like, great. I mean, it's like, wow, you know, my man is doing it, man. I love it, you know? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Oh, no problem. It, it, you know, I, with social media, I, I I post a lot. Sometimes I don't post a lot. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I, I don't know, because social media can be very infuriating sometimes. <laughs> Yes, to say the least. So I'll, get, I'll get mad at it and walk away. I'm like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And then I'll come back. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I totally understand, man. Hey, um, this might be a good time for me to go into um, tools, man. My, my, my favorite part, I love process. Like I said, I'm a inking junkie myself. And oh, Okay, okay. Yeah, and definitely one of the things that that I want to know because I know a lot of anchors kind of have like their their special mix as far as like you know the type of ink that they like to use. You know, it's almost like alchemy. Uh-huh. You know, I'm I'll use a little <laughs> bit of this. I'm gonna use put some of this in here just so they can get that rich black that doesn't erase, doesn't gray out. It feels good coming off the nib, the brush. What what is your mix? Do you have a certain mix, man? I don't. <laughs> oh, so you just come straight out the bottom. I, I don't have a mix. Uh-huh. No, I used long, long time ago. I, I tried, uh-huh. uh, but over the years, I found it's it's you know, like with any art, inking too, it's a chemistry experiment. Yeah. It's uh, okay. What works with this and that and this and that. Um, so just in the past couple of years, I figured out which kind of ink I like. Yeah. On which kind of paper. Ah. Uh-huh. Because the paper matters too, big time. Oh, really? Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody has their, their favorite kind of paper. There's some people that like the the plate finish, which mm. is really smooth. Yeah. You know, and and then they have their ink that goes with it. Yeah. Um, I like my paper to have a little bit more tooth to it. Mm-hmm. A little bit rough, just a little bit. And the ink I use is the Koh-i-Noor. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Koh-i-Noor ultra draw there's also the Koinor universal but i prefer the ultra draw and i use a strathmore 300 series semi-smooth oh uh, okay I'm, I'm looking over at my my, my yellow pads over here <laughs> yeah yeah the brist the bristles they're not bad yeah um, but they've got a, a little bit smoother finish than what i like okay because the semi-smooth dries faster. Ah. So when you lay a line down, a couple seconds, it's dry. Nice. You know, with the plate finish, it takes a little bit longer to dry. Because it just sits on it. And that, yeah. Right, right. Now, I was going to ask, like, um, in terms of that paper, because, um, like, like I, too, I kind of like a, a more toothy paper myself. Like, I've been trying mm-hmm. to stock up on, like, the develop finish because that has tooth to it, um, right? 
kind of like what what are your tools like like when you're inking because i know that of obviously also matters you know just like when you lay a line down with the brush it tends to kind of dry as it goes along unless you do multiple ap- applications of it but with the nib sure. the ink just sits there you know what i'm saying for a little bit yeah 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 um my brush of choice right now yeah <laughs> is the sharp 3000s mm yes um i've actually been using those since i for a very long time there were a few years there where I went to the Windsor Newtons and the Raphaels um, because the Sharps had lost their point. Mm-hmm. I'd ordered two, got them, and they didn't behave, as I like to call it. They, they weren't behaving. <laughs> and uh, so I, gra- I got a, a Windsor Newton or a Raphael, and uh, they behaved. Mm-hmm. And um, then one day I had some or some sharps sitting in the drawer, and I was like, let me try that real quick. And it behaved perfectly. Huh. <laughs> so I, I went back to using I've been using them for about a year and a half again now. Okay. And okay. they've been perfect. They've been really, really good. Hmm. Hmm. Sharp 3000, size number four. Oh, four. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I, I like only... the brushes with the, the little thicker. I like the heavier brushes because they'll hold more ink. No, oh, okay. And they'll still keep their point. Huh, all right. Because I used a Raphael number six for a little bit too. And that's a big, fat old brush. And, and that's why I was... That's, but it kept its point. Yeah, and that's exactly the example I was going to say, man, because I know um, Tommy Lee Edwards uses a number six size. And I'm like, a number yeah. six? Jeez. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. It's a big fat brush because it holds all that ink. Right. You dip it and you got a whole bunch of you get a whole bunch of work done with that without having to go back and dip it again. Huh. And that's that's the that's the reason it holds more ink so you can just keep going. Yeah. Makes you faster. Mm. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Let me ask you this too. Yeah, the smaller the brushes, sorry, the smaller the brushes, the more times you got to dip. And, you know, when you're working on a deadline and speed is a factor, your arm moving over there to dip it takes time so mm. yep Go no ahead. i'm sorry you were saying something oh no 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 in fact i mean that that's a that's another um question that i hadn't thought of until you mentioned it that the factor of mm-hmm. speed of speed because yeah people i guess people have the 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 thought that you know this stuff oh well you have a whole month to do it you know which is not always the case um, and in terms of, yeah, and in terms of like the, the style and then also making sure that the final product is nice and crisp, it can be time consuming mm-hmm. and, you oh, know, yes, yeah. yeah and, and just in terms of the tools themselves, you know what I'm saying? Um, you don't, you don't really see a lot of people doing like, you know, um, um, nibs, you know, like they used to, it seems to be more brush or markers, like you mentioned, um, when when speed is a factor, um, kind of like what what helps you to, I guess, um, get get the work done, but still with the same um, um, quality, you know, as opposed to like if you had enough time, you know, with the usual methods, you know, what what kind of like tools do you use when you're under a tight deadline versus when you're not, I guess. Pretty much the same tools. Okay. 
pretty much the same tools. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're under a deadline, it's uh, when time is a factor. That's when the the quality is going to go down just a little bit because uh-huh. you're not taking your time to precisely lay each line down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I might do that. I'm actually working. I'm actually redoing a piece right now that I did last year because I was under a tight deadline. I couldn't get it done as nice as I liked. Yeah. So I'm redoing it now because I want it to look right. Um, so maybe I'll post that and say, here's one under a deadline, here's one not under a deadline. Can you see the difference? Yeah, do that. Um, yeah. It'll be minuscule. It'll be absolutely minuscule. Only, you know, our types will be like, oh, okay, there it is. Yes. Um, <laughs> The, the average person will be like, I don't see, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, you know, your quality goes down, but the tools stay the same. Now, if you want your quality to go down really low and you have to really crank stuff out, I, I did a book a couple years ago where the deadline was nasty, and I remember one Saturday I did five pages in one day. How'd you do that, man? That was me uh, with a quill and a brush pen, and that was it. Oh, man. Thankfully, the pages were very organic. They were outside, so it was lots of trees and people and shadows. Oh, okay. So, all right. <laughs> it wasn't like machinery. Yeah, it wasn't like it was like building. It wasn't buildings or spaceships or anything like that. Okay. It was <laughs> out, outside scenery, uh, people, fighting, blood, shadows. So, yeah, it wasn't overly complicated. Okay. It was, it was, <laughs> It was pretty simple stuff, easy to do, but still five paces is a lot. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> I've heard of people doing that and maybe a little bit more in a day. I don't know how they do it. Sheesh. I mean, even when I did that, I was done, and I got home, and I was like, wow, I did five. How did I do that? But it was also a mental thing because you sit down, and you're like, okay, I got to do this, and mm. it was really bad. I timed myself. I put on a bunch of old, and forgive me because there's no other word for this, black exploitation movies. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, Black Caesar, mm. The Mac. Okay. Yeah. Shaft. Yes. You know, the good stuff. The good stuff. Okay, the good black exploitation. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the good ones. Not the bad, bad ones. I mean, <laughs> coffee and something else might have been in there. I forget. Anyways, I timed each page to how long the movie was. Okay. And, and so it was a page per movie. <laughs> yeah, because mo- cause most of those movies were like an hour and a half, really. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not an hour and a half, but it was like, okay, here we go. And it was hand just a whizzing along. Movies playing. I'm listening to the movie. I'm not watching it. I'm listening and, and working. So, like I said, it was a mental thing. It was, I'm wide awake. I'm ready to do this. Putting these on. Each page per movie, got to get them done, done. Mm. So a lot of times under deadline, it's it's a mental thing. You know, going along that thread. Um, years ago, I used to work in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And you could be dead tired. You've just worked a eight or ten hour shift and you got to keep working. There's ways to muscle through that just get it done you know what i mean mm-hmm. just you, 
muscle memory, you're getting everything done, getting it done, getting it done, because you know at some point you're going to collapse, but you can get it done. With comics it's and art, it's a mental focus. It's not so much a physical thing as it is your brain has to be on, like operating at 110% to get it done. Yeah. And then you can get it done. And that's how most people operate. It's, they're on, they know what they're going to do, get it done, the brain is focused and, and ready to work. So, two sides of the same coin, I guess you could say. But that focus is really what gets it done. Yeah, like, it, especially um, in particular with, with inking, like when you're throwing lines down, like, um, a lot of the work has been done in terms of, you know, the uh, storytelling and, you know, the pencils, obviously, but inking is a craft mm-hmm. in and of itself, man. And so a lot yeah. of times you're you're still having to think about, you know, what's the light source, you know, um, mm-hmm. the line weight, line thickness, you know, uh, should I make this part a little thicker, you know, to help with the storytelling, to help with the depth of feel? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people also don't um, or maybe not consider that, yeah, like you're saying, it's definitely a mental thing. It's not just mindless, yeah. like, oh, I'm just inking over these pencils that are already done. There's more to it. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a precision. Mm-hmm. It's, okay, this line has to look this way and this has to go that way. Otherwise, it's just going to look like a hot mess. Yeah, is yeah. What it comes down to, it's like, you know, uh, people come up to me and ask me to look at their portfolios and stuff like that, and a big thing, feathering. And feathering is one of those things in art and comics and whatever that when you get it right, people Nothing. don't notice it and they keep moving. But if you get it wrong, <laughs> they're like, why does that look terrible? That looks terrible. Well, because your feathering is terrible. Yeah, the lines are wobbly, you know, and I've had countless people ask me to say, well, how do I get better at feathering? What do I do? Practice. <laughs> Just keep throwing the lines because it's the only thing that matters. And I was told the same exact thing coming up. How do you do better? Just practice. Mm. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Do it over and over. You scrap pieces of paper, just feather, 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 feather until you get it right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And know when you get it right you'll look at it and go oh it there it right. is <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those that don't know that's what, what it is yeah and for those that don't know what feathering is to um to which uh, mark and i are referring to um you can take a look at almost any comic book it's where um you have like what we term dagger points you know coming out of a spot yeah. of black yeah, yeah it, it's just a, a transition whereas we don't have grayscale but the the transition between you know that feathering into the black from this white negative space creates the illusion of like a gradation, and so that's yeah. what it's termed feathering. Yeah, from light to dark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly what you said. Yep. Oh man, well cool, cool, cool. I'm trying to think. I think I had a ah, I did have another question for you, and uh, this is okay. in, and this is in terms of traditional versus digital now you astonished me recently when you mentioned that <laughs> i know it's a strong word man i'm not giving the hyperbole but i was astonished man um recently uh you showed an example online of a page that you had inked digitally and not just digitally 
you inked it on your iPad, man. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Yep. And yep. I, I just found that astonishing. But, you know, you do see uh, a trend of, you know, um, not a lot more anchors, but certain anchors, you know, just really getting like a hybrid workflow. Like, I'll, I'll do this part, you know, traditionally, but, you know, I can do some of this, you know, um, digitally. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like you're, you're starting to find your uh, way into, you know, however you do that. Like, like kind of like, what what's your workflow with that now? What are you experimenting with and what are you finding? Um, well, y- there is no digital versus traditional. It's not a versus game. Mm-hmm. Uh, digital is simply just another tool. It's as simple as that. It is, it's another uh, type of brush. It's another type of quill that you use. It's just another tool. Um, it it depends. Every, everyone who does, does it for different reasons. Um, we all know what the secondary art market is. Right. Right. You, you do your pages, you get your page rate for, your, for the company you work for, the book you're working on, and then you can sell those pages to art collectors. Mm-hmm. And some of them go really good prices and some of them are really crappy prices. Right. It all depends on the page. Um, when I go digital, this is now we can get into how I do it. All right. When I'm doing digital, it's because I know nobody will care about those pages. No art collector is going to want those. They're they're going to sit in my drawer until the day I die. Oh man, well, go ahead. Because they're not exci- because they're not exciting. They're not interesting. You know what I mean? I see. Like talking head pages. No okay. one buys those. No mm-hmm. no art collector buys a talking head page. Period. They don't. Your splash pages, your covers, your double page spreads, those are the ones that people are like, ooh, I want that on my wall. Right. And so when I do them digitally, it's because I look at a page and go, yeah, no one's going to care about that. Huh. So if I do it digitally, it exists digitally, I get it done, deadline met, you know, that's it. Um, I, my lovely wife got me an iPad Pro for Christmas mm. um, because I had gotten a Cintiq the year before. And um, the way I work, honestly, is mostly hybrid. Mm-hmm. I do, I get the pages digitally. Most, 99% of what I do is blue line printouts. Um, it's fairly rare that I work over the original pencils just because it's faster that way. And or the pencil I'm working with doesn't live in this country. Mm -hmm. So FedEx is way too expensive. Um, um, But I do, yeah, I'll I'll get the pencils digitally. I'll load them up in Photoshop. Um, I've created files for the page header, you know, where it title, pencil or anchor, page number, issue number and all that. I've created a file for every company I work for, and so I just slap that over the top of it. I um, digitally adjust the pencils, turn them into blue lines. Um, I'll put the panel borders in there with Photoshop because mm. it's lickety split. Yeah. <laughs> it takes no time <laughs> to throw those on there. Um, whereas if you print them out, paneling pages takes way too long in my opinion. Um, sometimes if there's some buildings um, sometimes I'll throw some straight lines in there already 
ah. digitally and then print them out black so that they're already done. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you want to go look for it, I'll describe the page I did a whole bunch of digital stuff for. Last year I did uh, Teen Titans Convergence with okay. Nicole Scott. Yeah. We did two issues. The second issue, the very first page, has a split. it's a split page um, with Nightwing and a Doom Patrol character flying through a city. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Nightwing is swinging through a city. Um, a lot of those buildings in that background were done digitally because that's a lot of straight-edge time that's done much faster on the computer because you can straight line, straight line, straight line, straight line. Instead of straight-edge tech pen, oh, crap, tech pen's busted. Got to get a new one. You know, it, it's faster. Yeah. But that page in particular, a lot of that was done digitally. And then when I printed it out, I was able to go in and add a little bit more life to the buildings. Okay. Some white out to denote cracks and bricks and stuff like that and reflections off windows and stuff like that. That's one page in particular I did a lot of digital before I did. I finished it in traditional. Mm. But that's mostly how I work. I do both. And it's easier, makes things quicker. Yeah. Um, dare even say smarter. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can do those things quicker that way, it's like, okay, get that done and then finish it up the other way. Um, I will tell you that the the one person that does digital more often than people think, at least he used to, I don't know if he does anymore, is Jonathan Glapion. Ah, okay. Yeah. There, there was a time where he did a lot of digital stuff, and believe me, you would not know the difference. If you saw the pages, you'd be like, you did that digitally, really? Um, yeah, he's the one who really has has dove into that. Um, not so much on the iPad Pro yet, mm-hmm. but um, on the Cintiq, Manga Studio programs and Photoshop and stuff like that, those programs. Um, he's, he's the one that's really, and a few years ago showed me, you know, where it was at and how to work it and yeah but with the ipad pro you know that thing's brand new yeah um the programs you know i i love it when people go online and they start oh you know, apple versus microsoft and everybody starts growling at each other and i just <laughs> laugh um because you know everybody's going to work with what they're comfortable with yeah you know, computer, like I said, it's just another tool. They're going to, you're going to, if you're comfortable with Windows, hey, rock on, man. If you're comfortable with Apple, hey, knock it out. Um, but when the iPad Pro came out, everyone was like, oh, it's going to suck. And, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, I, you know, the iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil are awesome. <laughs> now, 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 what, well, now, 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 kind of what, what gave you the impetus to try it? Because um, I, cause I know when the iPad Pro, before, before it came out, I know that, you know, uh, Pixar was doing some testing with it and, you know, various other, like, uh, people, you know, they actually had access yeah. to it. And they were saying, hey, you yeah. know, it feels really good. It feels like, you know, really natural and everything. So I guess once you got yours, did that kind of give you the impetus to, like, hey, let, let, let me try this for, for my work and see what happens? Well, I went to a couple Apple stores first and played with them. Okay. Because they have them on display. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a Cintiq, so um, 
you know, and I'm sure people listening know, the the stylus is kind of fat. Yeah. You know, it's not as comfortable in the hand as a pencil is, basically. Mm-hmm. And for me, mostly it's for me. It's like it's a little cumbersome using that big, you know, tree branch to, to do fine-tuned <laughs> stuff. I can do it. It's just it takes just as long to do it traditionally. So a lot of times I just throw my hands up and print the thing out and get it done anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had a Cintiq, so I was familiar with, you know, how to do that stuff. Um, I've been working in, in IT for the last 20 years, so I know the tech stuff pretty good. Uh-huh. It's also my um, college degree, computer science. Um, so like I said, I would go to Apple stores and I would play. I was like, okay, let me see how this one works and how that one works. And I saw those videos too. I think yeah. I posted some of them. You did. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, look, look at, look who's doing this and look who's doing that. But none of them, even when I posted them, were really finished work, like start to finish finished work. You know what I mean? Like, I started this drawing here, I turned it into the client here, and it worked. Mm-hmm. None of them were like that. They were all very sketchy. Oh, look, this is fun. It feels natural kind of drawing thing. Yeah. None of them were solid finished work. And so I was worried about that. Um, and even when I was playing with them in the stores, I was like, okay, I can see here and there how to do stuff. But what came out? The Procreate app came out of nowhere, and I don't remember how I first saw it. Mm-hmm. But the Procreate app was the one that I was like, that might work and it still is it's the one that i use procreate um great app fantastic app for for drawing and very photoshop like because you can work in layers and everything right um but it's not there a hundred percent it's probably about 95 percent there they don't have an ellipse tool so you can't create perfect circles with it mm. Um, so that makes it a little difficult. Perfect circles or perfect curves, um, ovals. You can do straight lines, which I figured out. So that helped a lot. But there's still some things you can't quite do yet. And they're getting there. Hmm. But um, they'll get there. They're just not 100% there yet. You know. But people like to bemoan Apple and the, the Microsoft Surface. And I've used both. The Surface is great except that it runs Windows, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, the iPad Pro just has the feel to it. You know, you can, I, I can draw with one hand and I can flip the canvas with another one, with my other hand. You can turn everything. You know, mm-hmm. like when you're working on paper, a lot of times when you're throwing your lines, you use your other hand and you're moving the paper around to get it in the position to move yeah. it. You know what I mean? Right. And you can do that with the with the Procreate app. And so far, it's worked good. Um, I just did an assignment for IDW two weeks ago. It was a 12-pager. I did 11 pages digitally in the Procreate app. Wow. The, the one other page I did traditional because it might sell. It's a big splash page. So ah, it might, okay. you know, someone might be interested in it. The other pages, no one would care. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some work on, of all things, Howard the Duck. <laughs> that might be the one you're talking about. Yeah. And I did, I did that one. 
I did what, like six pages from an issue. And the whole time I'm like, I should be using my iPad. I should be using my iPad because they were, it was Howard the Duck. It's nothing, it's not like the work I've done at DC, which is a lot of detail and stuff like that. This was, Howard, this was very cartoony and fun. And so finally I got to the last page. And I was like, I'm going to do this one. And I just dove in and did it. Mm. And it worked. Yeah. I didn't know the difference. <laughs> and they probably don't care. It's done. It looks professional. Let's run it, you know. But yeah. but to like, you know, other anchors like myself, man, it's just like, wow, wow. You know, I, I couldn't tell the difference, you know. Yeah, it's you know what to do. So as long as your tools are there in the program that you're using, you know what to do. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you know how to, okay, I need my page to look like this. As long as you know which tools you're using in the app, boom, 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 there it is. Same exact thing. Oh man. So, yeah. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of um, encouraging me to like you know really um, hone my craft in terms of like you know integrating more digital because I, I do the, I do some digital now in terms of like you know the panel borders, printing those out, but nothing really yeah. more intense. Of like, I'll spot blacks you know occasionally, but yeah, mm-hmm. but like you know seeing yeah, like I've done that too. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's just fast, just pop them in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, yeah. But in terms yeah. of drawing, um, drawing a whole page, that's like wow, that's uh, unknown, unknown territory for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I the first time I messed with a Microsoft Surface, I was I was hanging out with uh, Tom Wynn, mm-hmm. inker, ink, longtime inker over Doug Mankey. Yes. Um, yes, I was hanging out with him at a convention, and he had one, and it was the year I got my Cintiq. And um, it was actually it actually arrived in the mail while I was at the convention with him, and I was like, "Dude, can I play with this? Let me see what this is like." And he and he showed me, and we hung out all weekend and had a great time. And I was messing with his surface, and I was like, "Oh boy," <laughs> you know, it's like, "Oh crap, this is amazing." All right, okay, cool, and it and it just kind of grew from there. And uh, we, we've he and I talk every once in a while he's like how's it coming i was like well i did this and i did that and he's like, okay keep at it because he does that mostly now tom Wynn is mostly uh a digital anchor when he does inking what really yeah yeah he did he just did a uh this was last year he did a barbed wire miniseries with i think pat quinn okay um yeah, it's all digital wow barbed wire I think they had Adam Hughes covers Dark Horse I want to say it was six issues yeah he did the whole thing digital huh okay okay yeah man you know that's and don't get me wrong it's not faster (laughs) well see and and, and that's what I was going to say a lot of people are like oh if it's digital it means it's real fast no 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 it takes just as much time (laughs) yeah It, it takes just as much time there is no Oh, ink this button and it's done. No, it's yeah. <laughs> the same amount of hours to do it as it does to 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 do it traditionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but like you said, it's definitely smarter. Uh, production is probably smoother, just in terms of you know just just the workflow. And I think that's what's important. Just getting getting that proper workflow to just make get the pages done. 
You know what I'm saying? Have them look yeah. professional. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. And with with the iPad, you can you can do the hybrid thing too. Um, I, I did that a few times, and the lines come out just fine. Oh yeah. Where you go in and you you know you put your panel borders in and all that other hybrid stuff that I talked about earlier. But you can also go in, and that's the crazy thing with the the iPad Pro, and even on the Cintiq too, you can do it. You can zoom in crazy. Uh-huh. Like if you read comics and you've got those little tiny figures that are like you know two millimeters in size on the page. Yeah. You can zoom in for them to be full size and fully ink them. <laughs> Granted, when they print out, you you're gonna lose all that detail, but you'd be surprised how handy that is. So you can do the same thing with the iPad Pro. It's, it's like you've got those background faces that are really tiny, that if you did traditionally might look kind of wrong. Yeah. Because they're so tiny and you're trying to get the lines. With the iPad, you just whoop, zoom in. That sucker's now, you know, <laughs> nine inches by ten inches, and you can make sure that they look right. Mm. Zoom back out and keep going. And then you just export it, print it out, and do all the sexy stuff traditionally. Got you. Got you. That makes perfect sense, man. Definitely. Yeah, that's that's a huge help for me. I love being able to zoom in so that I can see that little tiny figure because I've been dinged on that a few times. Mm. Or I turn the page and they're like, ah, oh, that kind of background looks kind of wonky. And I'm thinking to myself, the reader doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but somebody else does. So it's like, okay, let me check this and fix this. And whoop, okay, boom, done. Mm-hmm. And so now you can zoom in. Uh, let me be completely honest here. All right. Last year, they had me do a page, Superman, Wonder Woman, over Doug Mankey, and it's exactly what I just told you. I did the page. Again, it was a boring headshot page. I did it traditionally. Mm-hmm. And when I turned it in, they're like, hey, could you kind of fix that? And it was the little tiny figure. And I was like, okay. I opened that sucker up in Manga Studio, zoomed in on my Cintiq, fixed it, made it cleaner, made it look better, save, send. How's that look? Looks great. Thanks. Wow. Wow. <laughs> now, 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 I wonder if also, man, if that's like with the advent of um, just comics being delivered digitally as well now, you know, I wonder if that's going to be something like, because, um, you know, when you when you get comics digitally now, it's the same thing. The reader can, you know, just, just widen their palm and zoom in as close as they want to, you know, on, you know, all of the artwork. So, so I wonder if that's something as well that, you know, um, um, editorial is thinking about. Maybe. Yeah. If people do that. I don't. Do you, do you read comics digitally? I I have some in my collection. I don't do it often, you know, but uh-huh. I, I, I definitely don't get like regular comics, you know, digitally. I still okay. do traditional, but I can see how that yeah. would be something that, you know, people might could, do. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be. But a lot of times, you're going to get people that work completely traditional. And so you're going to get people, if they actually do do that and zoom in, which I honestly think might be rare. Yeah. But if they zoom in, they're like, wow, that looks that doesn't look right. But that's rare. That's going to be very rare. Mm. Um, even when I go to conventions, I don't know of anybody that reads comics digitally that much. Uh-huh. I know a lot of people do. I know it's a big 
business thing. People read a lot of digital comics, but when you go to conventions, do people really say, "Oh yeah, I read yours on the iPad"? Exactly. I haven't had that one yet. Yeah, you can't sign an <laughs> iPad, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want me to sign your iPad? I mean, I can, but you're gonna have a lot of signatures on that thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, it could be a thing. I have no idea if it actually is or not. Yeah, yeah, that 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 could be just conjecture on my part, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, you know, um, last question, man. Last question, and um, okay. you may have answered it earlier, but you know, um, I figured I'd give it a try. What? Who are your top three anchors, and why? Top three? <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, okay, that's easy. There they are. Um, Tim Townsend. Uh, simply the best really uh, I can't give you any more reasons he's the best alright <laughs> uh, Danny Mickey ooh yes that dude is insane yes yes he is that dude is crazy it's just he's just a little crazy guy yeah because the stuff he pulls off is mind blowing mm-hmm. what he pulls off and then Scott Williams oh because Scott is drawing. Yeah. Scott is drawing in ink. Um, you know, I've seen videos of him ink before. He, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah those would be my top three. Yeah. You know, I, I have no arguments with any of those, man. And, <laughs> and it's, and you know, in particular with uh, with Danny Mickey, um, like I know Jonathan Glapian was inking on uh, Capullo for the first few issues, like the first couple of stories on uh, the new Batman series. And um, mm-hmm. once once Mickey took over, it was like, wow. You know, it, it, you, you could tell it was two different anchors, both high quality, obviously. Um, but yeah. just like something with Mickey's stuff. I mean, even from almost everything he does is just like has that touch, man. You know, and it's oh, just yeah. like, oh. And how he does it, I I don't know. I mean, he he works that quill or that that splatter. All the tools are there, and it just looks superb every yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John would be my number four anchor. Yeah, John. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, look at look at what Danny does over John Romita Jr. Yeah, John's never looked at before. It's stunning. It's absolutely stunning to look at. It's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's really, really, really crazy. Yeah, man. And just absolutely gorgeous. That concludes this episode of Artist Proof with Adrian Johnson. Any feedback or comments are greatly appreciated. You can email the show at artistproofpodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave comments on the show's main site at inazimastudios.com. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Artist Proof with Adrian Johnson is a production of Inazima Studios, LLC. Copyright 2016. Inazuma.